I can present that weakness before him and say, God, I'm struggling here. Can you help me bring my mind back again and again? I don't care if it's five seconds later because he loves a heart that's inclined to him, right? So if I have a heart that really wants to know him and serve him, and man, I'm fighting that distraction. Again, I don't have to flex my own muscles. I can say, Lord, can you send your Holy Spirit to block this out? Even while this noise is going, if I can't quiet the noise, it's coming from my own home and my own kids. Lord, can you help me praise you in it and through it? And I believe that's a prayer he loves to answer. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then Queen, we have a few questions to ask and a few conversations to have. I am your host, Liv Dooley, and I cannot wait to introduce you to some of the women who inspire me to fall more deeply in love with the word of God and worship in everything. I am so grateful you were here. Let's go on and get to work. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I hope that you are doing well. I am so incredibly grateful that you are back for another conversation here at The Best Kept Secret, and I hope that you have found everything is flourishing. However, if it's not, it is my prayer that you would stick with us today, because we are going to be talking about one of the most beautiful subjects in the entire Bible. And today, I just want to remind you that our God is good, even when we don't feel good. And that is the essence of what it means to elevate his name above our emotions. It's what I pray for you. I pray that you know that whether you are having a good day or bad, you can always lift your hands and surrender to our God because he is with you. I appreciate and our God traverses the hard days as well as the easy ones alongside us. And that we don't have to run past those hard days because they all have something to teach us. Today, we are going to be hitting on that topic just a little bit as we talk about one of the most beautiful themes in the entire Bible. But before we get into that, I wanted to thank our sister from the C group, uh, who I'm not sure of her name, but I am just so grateful that she is with us because she wrote a review lately. Um, and she wrote, this podcast is so full of life and joy and a sense of sisterhood. I have enjoyed listening and I look forward to more. My goodness, y'all, she just captured my heart for this podcast when she said that she feels the sense of sisterhood. It has never been my intention to have a solo show, even when I was solo. Shout out to those terrible episodes at the very beginning of this podcast journey that I was asked not to take down because they demonstrate how much growth we've made. L-O-L. <laughs> But even then, it was always my hope that you would feel seen here and that you would know you have a place here, that you would know you are valued here and that there would be no show without you. So thank you for being here. 
Today, we are going to be talking about the opportunity to remember what our God has done for us. The opportunity to remember who he is and to allow that to really dictate what we choose to do as we move forward in service to him. And I, I know y'all know, this is one of the most important themes in the entire Bible. We see it in Exodus 13.3. Moses is talking to the people after they have left Egypt, and it says, Then Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. And then he begins to teach them about how to participate in the Feast of Unleavened Bread. But it's there that he starts off by sharing that they should remember what the Lord has done for them. And we see that theme continued on during Joshua's leadership. In Joshua chapter 4, which I know I referenced incorrectly last week, my bad. Uh, Rahab is definitely in Joshua chapter 2, not Joshua chapter 4. But in Joshua chapter 4, we find that the Lord instructs Joshua to take a man from each of the 12 tribes and to command them to take a stone out into the middle of the Jordan to set up. And whenever their children ask them, you know, what do those stones mean to you? They are to tell them about what the Lord has done. And so we see this theme of remembrance here as well. But y'all already know it's one that is repeated in First and Second Samuel. And we see that throughout the Psalms that David wrote as he continued to call back to his mind what the Lord had done. We see that throughout the rest of the Psalms, whether he wrote them or Moses or the sons of Korah wrote them. But we also see that in First Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. It reads, Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shin and called its name Ebenal Ezer, for he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. Y'all, I've been calling this an Ebenezer stone the whole time. OMG. It is not an Ebenezer stone, it's an Ebenal Ezer stone. And I just think that pronunciation is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> If you are ever interested in learning the pronunciations of the correct words in the Hebrew or the Greek, you can go to one of my favorite apps called the Blue Letter Bible, and it will pronounce it for you. Logos Bible app that we talked about with Jennifer Lucy Tyler last week will also do that for you. My natural go-to is Blue Letter Bible because I started using that first, and the pronunciation is just right there, super quick. You don't have to pull up any additional tools, but I love them both, and you'll see them cited throughout Selah, our study of 1st and 2nd Samuel. However, I want to get back to 1st Samuel chapter 7, because this stone, named the Ebenal Ezer stone, is really a stone of help. That's what it means in Hebrew, the stone of help. And so, you know, it's there that Samuel sets it up for two reasons to remind the Israelites what the Lord has done for them and to really remind them that they continue to depend on the Lord's help for their success. And 
my goodness, this is one of my favorite chapters in all of First and Second Samuel because I think the imagery is so beautiful as it teaches us how to worship. I am just stricken by the fact that he set this up in the middle of a battlefield. You know, it was here that they chose to go to Mizpah and he gathered all these Israelites together so that they could repent to the Lord. But when the Philistines heard that they'd all gathered at Mizpah, they made plans to um, charge against the Israelites and fight them. And Samuel never allowed that to detract or deter him from doing what he'd set out to do. Instead of worrying or growing anxious, he remembered the God that he served. He made the sacrifice right there. He set up the Ebenau as their stone. And then, and then he saw the Lord deliver the Philistines into their hands. And ah, uh, y'all. It was there that the Lord gave them peace. And that is what worship does for us when we remain focused. It helps all of our enemies become subdued in the Lord's presence. And, oh, mm, I don't know about you, but I need that on a regular basis because... There are so many different distractions that attempt to rise up and steal my time, steal my joy, steal my purpose, steal my peace. But when we remember that we can access the Lord's presence through worship at any point, even when it feels as if all hell is breaking loose, we will also remember we serve a good God who is with us in all of it, one who has the strength to subdue all of our enemies. And he will do just that. If you are interested in studying this topic even further, our first session of Selah does tackle it. It's called Worship Invites Us to Remember. And I would love to unpack that with you further. Thank you for being here. It's that time, y'all. My co-host Ty and I are back with another woman you should know. Woo! <laughs> Liv, who do you have for us? Oh my goodness. I have someone that I'm so excited to introduce y'all to. We have such good conversations on Instagram in our direct messages. There is nothing <laughs> that gives me greater joy than just a good conversation, you know? And so Marilyn Johnson is someone I just think y'all should know. She actually lives and serves the Lord through the ministry that the Lord has birthed out of the experiences that she's had in the United Kingdom. And I think that speaks volumes to just the opportunities we have to connect through social media for the Lord and, you know, uh, learn how to give him greater glory by connecting with others across the body throughout the world. But Marilyn is um, a version contributor. She is also an author of many different ebooks, and she is the founder of a ministry called At 
the well. She really enjoys stewarding the vision that the Lord has given her to see women healed and to help them transform their families, communities, and nations. And I'm excited because today as we really begin to talk about how to tear away from those distractions that are consuming our minds, we truly do have to have the vision that the Lord has given us for in the front and center. And this is something that you can just see so very easily through all that Marilyn shares on social media. And my goodness, I am excited to continue to get to know her further. Amen. I didn't know about her a few days ago. So I'm happy to know about Marilyn now because I I want to know about the water. I want to know more about God's word. I want and need to know that when I'm empty, I can draw at the well and that there's never going to be a time where I can't do that. And so to know that there are skillful teachers out there reminding us that when we need that healing, when we need to be transformed, our families, our communities, our nations, we can go to find Marilyn and say, okay, her eBooks, her other content, they're going to encourage me to stay near the Father, to keep drawing that water that I need to survive. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you are ready to just free yourself from some of this clutter and the many distractions that consume us at any given point in the day, we will make sure that we link all of the things that Marilyn has going on down below because whew, if there's one thing we have to do in this season, it is draw a little deeper. Mm. Amen. Marilyn is a woman you should know. Let's keep this love for sisterhood just flowing as I introduce you to our guest today. Katie Westenberg is a wife to Ross of almost 22 years now, a mom to Tyler, Bailey, Brooklyn, and Bo, all between the ages of 10 and 18. And she's a small town girl born and raised in the state of Washington. Although she had big hopes and dreams of heading for a different coastline after college, she met and married her high school sweetheart. And together, they serve their local church, of which they have been members for as long as they have been married. Katie has a bachelor's degree in business from Washington State University, but her days are mostly spent in the busyness of running a home and homeschooling her children. When she is not doing all of that, she is also writing books that help to glorify God. And she fights to write honestly and authentically in this space. It's her prayer that you would find hope and encouragement through her writing and that you will experience community as you hear the truth. She also hopes that you will be inspired to boldly, bravely follow the call that God has placed on your life. Would you help me to welcome Katie Westenberg to the best pet secret? All 
All right, y'all. I am really looking forward to getting into this conversation. I was really moved by a lot of the research that Katie included in this book. Katie, we're going to talk about it. I, I did not realize that things like the word identity was such a modern phenomenon. So I'm really, really looking forward to talking with you. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. This book that you have written, but then she remembered how to give God your full attention in a distracted world is incredibly timely. But can you tell us like what brought you to the place where you felt like you should write this message? And what do you hope the readers get from it? Well, you know, a lot of the, basically anything I write just comes from my time spent in the word. I I'm a student before anything else. And, um, anytime I've written a book, it has really just come from time spent studying. And several years ago, I came across the theme of remembrance and just realized how much I didn't know about it. God is constantly calling his people to remembrance. His people are often forgetting that. And so when I really zoned in on that theme throughout scripture, I was really moved by it. And then at the same time, when, when we bring in the distraction component. I'm a mom of four kids. Three of those kids are teenagers. And so I am leading growing adults through this stage of life that, uh, that is kind of difficult, but I, I, I've noticed those distractions in my own life. And when I haven't necessarily figured those out, I'm trying to figure out how am I going to parent them and them if I don't even really know what this this issue is that we struggle with. So I think all of that happened at the same time a few years ago and really became um, the fruit of this book. Oh, that's awesome. I love how you shared that you're a student of the word first. You know, I think that is so important. And that is the place where he often gives us directives about what to write, about what to do, about what to focus on. So, so very cool. You start your book off with a note for the distracted. And I feel like that is all of us at one point in time or another. And you share that distraction is causing us to unknowingly quench the spirit, the very helper who works to grow that good fruit in us. How can we grow more focused in our culture today? And, and just, you know, uh, especially with all of the demands that are all around us all of the time, the pressure and just the cultural expectations in general. It's a battle for sure. I, I'm writing from a place of experiencing it with the reader. And, you know, Liv, I think distractions aren't necessarily something new. I think they've kind of reached a feverish pitch. And now they're, they're our watch on our wrist or our phone in our pocket. The other day I was on a website and there were so many ads like popping up and moving. There were like video ads. And I thought, how am I even supposed to pay attention to what I'm reading? Because it's just different now. So, so it's important to realize that distractions aren't new. People have always been prone to distraction. I think many years ago, when maybe we threw a big newspaper up in front of us, we could cut ourselves off from the world that way too, and, and read the comics or do whatever else we wanted to do to, to be distracted from what maybe we're supposed to be doing. But at the same time, since it has reached a feverish pitch, I think it takes a lot more intentionality. And we develop these patterns of reacting, these habits of when I'm bored, when I'm frustrated, when I don't want to do what's in front of me, I can pick up my phone and be entertained so quickly. So it's really just being intentional with what we do. And, you know, I'm, I'm not here to say that the phone is evil. We do all kinds of good work with the technology God has given us. It's a good tool, but it also is a tool that can um, really easily lead us astray. So it's really becoming intentional on in what we do with that. 
Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that and that you just brought out the fact that, you know, it's nothing new. I mean, even as we study the Bible, which is what your study came from, it's just, it's always there. The Israelites were always getting distracted, always chasing after something. <laughs> and so I, I appreciate that you mentioned that it's nothing new, but it is definitely nuanced now. And it has reached that feverish pitch that you talk about. Why is it important? You know, you mentioned that it can potentially quench the spirit. What, what does that hold us back from when we, you know, just begin to, I suppose, grow callous or insensitive to his voice? What, what do we risk when that happens? Yeah, to pull a page out of Galatians, I really think we begin walking by the flesh and not by the spirit, right? I've spent my my summer in Galatians, so that's like right on the top of my mind. But it, it's so easy to do, right? It's formative when we are constantly being informed by the world. And it's it's not even, like I said, an intentional thing. I could get on my phone for a good purpose. I'm going to look up this recipe that I'm going to make for dinner tonight. And, and then next thing I know, well, then there's a notification and next thing I know I'm over here looking at someone else's house paint colors. And I don't even realize that I'm not doing what I was intended to do here, right? I'm not spending my days in ways I really want to spend them. Am I honoring God with my time? Am I listening to him? And, and that takes a lot of sensitivity to his conviction to write that path, right? In that moment, say, wait a minute, this isn't what I want to be doing. And I don't want to get used to doling the my sense of understanding the Holy Spirit. I want to be aware as possible of that. So it, it takes effort. Yeah. Yeah. It takes effort. And that's helpful to know, because I think sometimes we feel like it's supposed to come easy. And so when it doesn't, it's almost frustrating. You know, one of the things that is hardest for me when I first begin a Sabbath, it doesn't matter whether it's a Sabbath just once a week or a sabbatical and for a period of time, particularly during the summer or something, I always defer back to my phone in those first few hours or those first few days because I forget like what other things I like to do, what other things are available. It's just that quick, easy, go-to, you know, excuse. So I love that you say that we have to be intentional, not only in the way that we, you know, interact with our phone and the different opportunities that we have there to minister, but especially in our time with God, because my goodness, that is more important than ever. You share that we don't become easily distracted from our distractions. And I was like, oh, that's good. How do we get clear? You have already talked to us about how, you know, we can begin walk by the flesh instead of the spirit when we're not listening to him. So how do we get clear about what we should really be paying attention to other than just kind of, you know, putting down the phone? What are some of the things that you found in your own walk with the Lord? Yeah. It, it really is just obedience to his word and to live that out. A lot of times we just, we want a metric, like just, just tell me what to do. Tell me how many minutes on the phone are good. Tell me how many minutes on this app and we'll shut the thing down. But that's what walking with the spirit is, is really being inclined to listen to him. I don't think God is up there with a checklist saying, well, Katie's a few minutes over today, right? He wants a heart that's inclined to him, a heart that is inclined towards obeying him and knowing him. So it's not about minutes anymore. It's about is this leading me to him or is this causing me to stray? 
And can I be aware of that? Can I pivot quickly? Can I strengthen my reflexes? It doesn't mean we're doing it by perfection by any means, but it means that he's on my heart and in my mind and I'm being obedient to those things. So it's really just praying for greater conviction. And I love that in John 14, we're told that the Holy Spirit is our helper, right? Mm -hmm. And it's his job to teach us all things and help us remember the things that Jesus taught to us. So I'm not in this alone. It's not me flexing my own muscles to get this done, right? He's going to walk with me here. So I'm going to walk with him there. And there's really going to be fruit from that. It's believing that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to flex my own muscles. <laughs> That's good. That is good because sometimes we don't even have much strength in this area. So it's That's like, great. what am I flexing? <laughs> That's so helpful. Okay. This is one of the areas that I wanted to talk about because I thought it was so fascinating. And I was like, oh my gosh, that is true. But you talk about how identity is a relatively new word, and it's really just increased dramatically between 1980 and 2000 and even more now. And so even though identity in Christ is not found in the Bible, we can still find the characteristics of what that would take and what that requires and invites us into. So can you just share with us a little bit about what you found through your study on, on identity and I suppose just, you know, what some of those characteristics are as we prepare to grow intentional about our relationship with him beyond those distractions. Did you hear? Did you hear? Selah, a study of First and Second Samuel, the study that I have written is now available. <laughs> I am so excited to get this into your hands, but I want you to know that we're not only going to study the scriptures, but we're going to pray together as well. This study includes six video sessions and 30 guided prayers to help us settle into worship. When you visit Amazon, you can find it there, but you can also grab it at livedooly.com slash Selah. And when you go to that webpage, you will find a freebie as well. If you've ever been interested in learning about when King David composed the Psalms and what was going on in his life at the time, I have compiled a little resource for you to really learn more about that in comparison with First and Second Samuel. Together, it's my prayer that these resources help us enjoy scripture even more. I love that you picked up on this because I've done a lot of interviews for this book and you were the first person who was asked about this, but this felt like a can of worms when I was studying really, because I, I thought I knew what identity in Christ was. And, and when you look at the idea of remembering, I don't believe we can't remember. We can remember what we don't first know, right? So if we weren't taught and if we don't know who Christ is, I can't remember who he is when I'm down in the despair, right? I need to know who he is so I can remember. So I want to remember who I am because of him. But when we get to this whole identity concept, we talk about it a lot, but I also think that it's kind of confusing. We don't really understand what it means. And, and so I was processing, what does it mean to have our identity in Christ alone? We hear that, but I also think we have a lot of other God-given identities as well. Like we even in the Bible, we look at David, he was a shepherd, he was a harp player, he was a warrior, and, and none of those things contradict his identity in Christ, but they were also a part of who he was. So if I look at my identity, it is in Christ, but I'm also a mom. 
And if I cease to be a mom, there's going to be a real grief and loss to that, right? I'm also a writer. I believe God inclined me to do this. So it is part of who I am. It's not all of who I am. So really the identity in Christ becomes like these, this overarching, it's like a meta identity over everything above all. And that's something I can't lose, right? My identity is in Christ above all. And it changes the way I act as a mom in the world or as a writer in the world, all of that. But when I packed, unpacked it, I really did learn that identity is pretty new language. It originally meant sameness when it comes from the Latin. And it was just in the last 20 years where it started shape-shifting. And and we kind of find that the church has followed culture in that because it has really become popular in culture in the last 20 years. And the church has followed along with it. Obviously, we have redeemed that term compared to how the world uses it. But, But you can kind of see why it causes confusion. So that chapter really opens a question more than an answer. Like, could this be kind of confusing? And what does scripture say? I don't think, um, I don't think we've co-opted the term and we're using it incorrectly. I just think sometimes when we use that phrase so frequently, uh, we don't have the best understanding of what it means. So we kind of unpack, okay, this is who Christ is. And because who he is, I am this, right? Because he calls me his, I am loved. And that changes how I behave as a mom and a writer and all the other things anyone else is, right? Um, Because he has redeemed me, I am free of shame of my sin, right? Because he has forgiven me. So all of those things change how we exist in the world. Yeah, yeah. It changes everything. That is good. And I just appreciate, you know, some of the ways that you kind of help us define and refine that. Because like you said, we throw these words around and we're like, we don't even have, you know, (laughs) a definition or a paradigm for them. We're just using them because we hear them all the time. So that is helpful. And I love that you brought in the, just the um, component of memory and how your identity is so important to your uh, memory, because one of the things that you share in your book is that memory is an inheritance. Can you talk to us about how your memory has led you closer to the Lord, how it has produced an inheritance for you, for your children, as you continue to worship him in spite of, you know, the myriad of hard and difficult things that we're called to any day of the week? Yeah, this is, this is beautiful because this is his goodness being relived again and again. It's more than fuel for the present moment, right? His faithfulness in the past is fuel for my faith in him in the future because I know who he is. I've been places with God. So that's why we see like these recounts throughout the Bible of his faithfulness again and again. How many times do we learn about the Red Sea crossing? Or I love even Paul. I think he tells his conversion story like three times. I'm going to tell it again and we're going to read it again because we're going to know what God did and I'm not going to forget that, right? So we got to do the same things in our own lives. I, I knew God here. He was faithful here. I'm a homeschooling mom, okay? So that presents its own challenges, but I can see my oldest son just graduated. And, and to look back at what God did to see his faithfulness there is amazing because there were times I thought he's not going to be able to do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. We're all just, you know, relying on faith here, but then to stand back and say, look, God, you were faithful when I was up against a wall. And I thought we don't have this. Right. And that changes how I parent these succeeding kids, because I know who God is. I have this recollection of who he was. And the really cool thing, when we study some of the science about how our brain works and how memories work, there's the encoding process, right? Where we take the information in and then there's the retrieval where we get the information out. But a lot of times we think like when we get that information out, we're just like, 
parroting knowledge we already have, but research shows that that's actually like substantiating those memories. When we recall them out, they're just forming even stronger bonds. So what I tell my kids about God's faithfulness, like this is what God did. Not only am I passing that on, but I'm like solidifying those memories in my own brain. And when I, when I unpack that science, I just think, of course you would God, of course you would make it work this way that your people would know who you are and remember who you are. Yes. Yes, yes, and yes. I I did not know that about retrieval until I read it in your book. And I was like, wow, like, cool. it does make so much sense that we would grow closer, that we would get a deeper knowledge and a deeper revelation of who he is. And um, just, you know, of all that we have been taught in the scriptures, even as we read them, when we retrieve it, when we call it forth. So that was beautiful. My goodness. I I just, I really did enjoy your book and so much of what you talked about. And I know that it is going to help so many women just kind of really grow refocused once again on what the Lord is doing in their lives, because there are a thousand different directions that we can feel pulled in it times. But my goodness, I, I definitely appreciate the research and the time that you put into this. Can you tell everybody where they can find it and all that and, and connect with you, all the things? Yeah, they can find me on my website at katiewestenberg.com and the book, but then she remembered is available on Amazon or Christian book any any of those places. Beautiful, beautiful. I'd like to ask, even before we uh, switch, I wanted to ask one last question, and that is, what might you have to say to our sister who's listening in, who has been listening to the series that we are hosting on worship and feels so distracted every single time she goes to pray, every single time she goes to worship, every single time she goes to church? What have you learned just about, you know, worshiping the Lord and what kinds of words of wisdom might you be able to share with her? I would tell her that the same, the same advice that I have to tell myself when I get in that same cycle is really that it is a grace that he knows our frame, right? He knows we were made for death from dust. He knows that we get distracted, that our minds are so quickly moving. He knows all of that. And so I don't have to be ashamed of it. I don't have to be embarrassed of it. I don't have to hide it and like quickly pull out my Bible and look like I'm doing something that's really important, but I can present that weakness before him and say, God, I'm struggling here. Can you help me bring my mind back again? And again, I don't care if it's five seconds later because he loves a heart that's inclined to him. Right? So if I have a heart that really wants to know him and serve him and man, I'm fighting that distraction again, I don't have to flex my own muscles. I can say, Lord, can you send your Holy spirit to block this out? Even while this noise is going, if I can't quiet, the noise is coming from my own home and my own kids, Lord, can you help me praise you in it and through it. And I believe that's a prayer he loves to answer. Mm. So good. So good. I know that has brought so much freedom to our sisters who are listening in, trying to press in and feeling as if, you know, everything else is pulling them away. So thank you for that. Can I ask you a few secrets? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. The first one is, what do you do to slow down in this fast-paced culture? Are there any affirmations that you surround yourself with or any rhythms that you incorporate in your schedule that just help you to slow down? Well, one I've been um, focusing on more lately is being outdoors. 
just being outside. I feel like there's a lot to take in when I'm outside. Yesterday afternoon, I was outside reading. I had some sight sometimes set aside and I have a sitting by some flowers that I grew. And there was this um, hummingbird that was flapping its little wings like crazy. And my first inclination was to be annoyed by the hummingbird because its little wings flapping were so fast. And I'm trying to read. This is my time for reading. And, you know, I closed that book, stared at that hummingbird. And those things are just amazing. They're just astounding. Creation is astounding. And when I started staring at that, how it would go and stick its little beacon from flower to flower, getting its food. And I was just overwhelmed by God's goodness, staring at a bird, right? Like, what does it take for me to say like, holy smokes, God, like, look at that bird being taken care of and just having a good old time of it. Right. I think I got more from staring at the bird than I ever would have got from reading the book. And I think the book is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. This is my time Mm -hmm. set aside to learn. And I think I could probably learn more staring at a hummingbird than I could in 20 minutes of that book. So really just being outside, I have a garden out here, a little space that drives me crazy and has way too many weeds, but I think that does force the slowing, you know, it's productive. It looks a whole lot different than sitting in an office or typing out emails but um, I feel like he does good work there. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that so very much when I was getting back into my routine of just studying my scripture and stuff during the summer, I found that I would pressure myself like, no, we got to get through this chapter, this chapter. And I would be taken aback or I would be, you know, distracted by a praise song that came on. And so finally I had to have a come to Jesus moment with myself. Like, you know what? This is your devotional time. You want to make a song, sing a song. That's right. That's right. (laughs) So I resonate with that so much. My next question for you is, what are you doing on a day off? What does an ideal day off for you look like? Okay. Well, next week. I'm going to be off most of the week and we're going camping. Ooh. We don't have internet there. We're right at the foot of the mountains. I live in Washington state. So we have like big legit mountains out here. So we're going to be at the base of the mountains. There's waterfalls out there. We do that one week every year where we can just be out there. It's not always that extravagant. Sometimes a lot of camping is extravagant, but, but sometimes it's just at home with my family. I like this lower pace. These four kids I have, they do sports and those kind of things. So we try not to have a crazy life, but it's kind of hard not to when they're involved, but just it's a time where we can be home and we can like neglect a, a schedule where everything's timed and just take the time for the conversations, take the time to slow down. That That's an ideal day for me. Yeah, that sounds good. I hope you enjoy that camping trip. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> and the last question is other than that camping trip, what is bringing a smile to your face lately? probably similar to the hummingbirds is just the garden out there growing things. I, I really love to grow flowers. That's some, a new hobby that I've taken on in the last couple of years. And just uh, the humility that comes in that because man, I am trying all the things and half the flowers die, but when they come to life, they're just amazing. So I'm learning so much, so much patience and um, so much perseverance and, and just growing a garden. So that's bringing me a lot of joy right now. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite flower that you've discovered? Okay. Well, I don't know if I have a favorite. It's like a book of the Bible, right? It changes all the time. Like, right. no, I like this one. <laughs> but I have these blackberry colored pin cushions that just came out of nowhere. They're just really dark purple wow. and they're really beautiful. Those are my favorite right now. Those sound amazing. I'm going to have yeah. to go look them up yeah, and look see them what up. they look like. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so very much for your time today. Can You've already told everybody where they can get connected to you, so I'll make sure that I link everything down below. But would you close us out in prayer? Yes, I would love to. 
God, I thank you for fun conversations over the space that you have made allowance for by this technology, Lord. I thank you that we can connect with you in new ways across all the miles. And I would ask right now that you would be with every woman listening, Lord, as she seeks to remember who you are right in the midst of all the messiness of real life, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would meet her, would encourage her, would convict her, but help her know you're gentle and patient and kind. And you help us along the way, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen and amen. That conversation was good for my soul. I pray that you can say the same. If there's anything that resonated with your heart, would you please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Audible and leave a rating and review. It will truly bless this podcast more than you know. Now, in the meantime, I'm on Instagram at Candid Live, and it would be an honor to connect with you there. Talk to you soon. Love you.